Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Lads, we're back. We are. Yeah. Dude, it's a good day, guys. I'm really excited for today's show. Yes, because we have a special guest. We do. Welcome to the show. Laura Kuypers, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Of course. You know, we were a bit hesitant there because I was absolutely terrified I wasn't going to say your name right. And you nailed it. Perfect. We're off to a great start here. Um, Laura, for anyone who doesn't know who you are, what you're about, just let us know what do you cover? What do you love in the sport world? Go ahead. Okay. So um, recently finished Ryerson Journalism. Um, and I mainly cover golf. I'm a freelance golf writer right now. I've written for Golf Canada, Golf Talk Canada, and PGA of Canada. Um, I also follow F1 quite a bit. So I have my own blog where I write like F1 post-race recaps. Um, And then I also follow hockey. I uh, grew up playing hockey my whole life. I have worked in hockey my whole life. So yeah, mainly those three sports are kind of what I follow, and yeah. And we'll cover them all today. Uh, just out of curiosity, what position did you play in hockey? I was a goalie. I love it. Awesome. I love yes. it. Excellent news. A secret member of the goalie society then. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm only five feet tall too, so. It's all right. I mean, we all love Dustin Tokarski. He was a shorter goalie. She's Saros. And he got it. She's Saros, yeah. 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 Um. I'm pretty sure Yaroslav Askarov's a shorter goalie. So, listen, yeah. we we love all goalies equally here. Um, <laughs> so, it, it's really up to you here. So, we're going to talk about exactly the golf. We're going to talk about F1. Um, looking at the North Division and, and some spotlight on the Habs. We love to see it. Um, where would you like to start? It's completely open field here. Wherever you want to start here, we're good to go. Oh, I don't know. It's a tough question. <laughs> um, why don't we start with hockey? Okay, perfect. Okay. Then would you like to start with the Habs? Of course. This, this way, <laughs> when Daniel first told us about you, Laura, and it was like, ah, oh, he's a Habs fan. I was like, sweet. You know, I think at the time they had just come back from maybe their COVID pause and they had won a few games and were like, oh, they're finally going to get their act together. And then the last few games have just been like, I feel like now it's going to be almost like it's a relief to talk about this team, like just and just how rough it's been. So yeah. <laughs> if, turning the clock back a bit, going into the season, after all those signings to Foley, Anderson, all that, Jake Allen, what were your expectations then for the Habs? I honestly thought it was going to be a battle for first between Toronto and Montreal. Mm-hmm. I was really, I thought I really like Suzuki and Suzuki probably was our best player during the playoffs uh, the season before. So I was really happy for Suzuki, Kakniemi to really build off of what they, how they had performed 
2020. Mm-hmm. And Toffoli was a great ad because he's clearly a goal scorer. And that's been Montreal's struggle for, I feel like, as long as I've been a fan of them. <laughs> and so, and even um, with Max Domi and Josh Anderson, initially I was upset because I was a pretty big Max Domi fan. I thought he was a great um, sort of face for the team. Sort of, I thought he was going to be like a franchise player sort of thing. But when I looked into Josh Anderson, who I was not familiar with, I actually thought he was going to be a great ad because we were lacking size on the team and someone to be sort of an intimidating presence for um, other players when you have guys like Brendan Gallagher and Carey Price on your team who do need sort of more intimidating players. And then it just sort of fizzled out from there. That's a, that is a very good way of describing it. Um, there was a coaching change. There were a few coaching changes, actually. Um, what you've seen so far, because I remember there was uh, a stat where they were comparing like penalty kill record, like, everything to Julian under Ducharme. And they were basically the same thing. So before going into some of the stuff like Caulfield, Price is unfortunately hurt again, Brendan Gallagher's injury. Oh, it just hurts talking about it. Um, Do you believe in Dominic Ducharme as a head coach? I, I don't know. I don't know yet. I actually, I remember him from the world juniors and I quite liked him during Mm -hmm. the world juniors. I thought he did a good job. Um, But I also really liked Claude Julian and honestly thought he was doing a pretty good job coaching Montreal. Um, And I, I don't think he had enough time to sort of to give him a grade so I'm not sure I'm ready yet to decide if I think Ducharme is doing better or worse than him because mm-hmm. I I don't know there's I feel like there's a lot of changes that actually needs to happen with the roster because I don't know if Ducharme has enough to work with at this moment would you happen to be talking about the defense by any chance a little, and just, I'm, like, there's a few different changes. I wish we had just a more offensive-minded team. Mm-hmm. There's, like, there. I just feel like when you get a guy like Carey Price, you need to build the team knowing that he's going to be able to make those big saves where other goalies might not. And you can kind of take that to your advantage and get more offensive defensemen Mm -hmm. um and I feel like for a while there they just built it around a very defensive team like hoping that they'd win every game um with Carey Price getting a shutout yes that's a very good way of describing it I think everyone was kind of thinking like a few years ago when everyone wanted Jake Gardner I think instead the move was Ben Chirot and over the summer let's see what they do Joel Edmondson I don't know about that, guys. Um, well, it was a good choice you didn't get Jake Gardner, though. I'm telling you that from yeah, personal Yeah, experience. the back injury definitely pulled him back there. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like everyone has the same answer here, but you're th- like, what does Brendan Gallagher mean to you as a Habs fan? For me, I think now, like, especially in the past few years, Brendan Gallagher has really, I feel like, stepped up his on-ice performance. Um to a point to a level that I think it was like maybe 2018 season, 2018, 2019, 
where he played a lot better than I had anticipated. It was one of those years around that time. But I think Brendan Gallagher means more for actually team morale. I think Mm -hmm. watching Brendan Gallagher go out there, they could be down by five goals and he's still playing like they're down by one and they're still in it. And I think, I imagine he also helps morale off ice too. I feel like he's just a very positive player. He tries really hard. Like that's anyone who watches Gallagher play knows he, he plays full shifts. And I think I just really like the morale that I think he brings to the team. Mm -hmm. You can definitely tell how since he's gone, and I think their winning percentage in the entirety time Brendan Gallagher has ever been hurt. I think it's like four, four, two or so it's, Disgustingly terrible. Um, how obvious it obvious is it watching them play lately um, that they are missing Brendan Gallagher? I think Ducharme said they need a bit of galley juice into everyone right now because it, de- it feels like a lot of the nights lately they've been outworked. Oh yeah, I uh, I think it was yeah it was was the last night that they played Edmonton. Um, I'm, I'm losing track of time. It was two <laughs> nights ago. I'm, we, we all want to forget that third period. I understand. Yeah. I feel like I don't know if they need to be doing, like, more skating drills and practice, but I feel like they come out hot in mm-hmm. the first period. They play good, um, fast-paced hockey, and then they just, as the game goes on, they sort of just lose momentum. And... Yeah, I don't I don't know if that's because they need Gallagher or if or what, but I even noticed with uh when the Leafs were missing Matthews, I felt like they it was kind of the same thing. They felt like they were kind of like they didn't know what to do without that presence on the ice. Mm-hmm. It's fair. Um I think anytime someone says that Gallagher is the heartbeat of the team, I I I feel like people actually really, really get that he actually is now when he does go down. Like I remember the his first wrist injury, I think it was 15-16 or 14-15. It was a bad, it was a bad, I think it was 15-16 because I think it was the year Price missed. And that whole time, he was just, like, it was after Carey got hurt, I think it was in November, and then onwards Gallagher went down too. And they just fell, they fell apart. Um, and speaking of Carey Price being hurt, I, I think we all hope that they stop playing the Oilers because the Oilers just keep hurting Carey Price. And it's getting a little much. Um, Thoughts on, I guess, and I did see you tweet about Jake Allen came in relief in that game after the first period. Um, It is a bit unfortunate, isn't it, that we saw that Price definitely took his time coming back after Joss Archibald hurt him, only to come back and it looked like Alice Chason had caught him in the head. I think he also caught a dry silo shot to the head towards the end of the first period too. That Price is, you know, he... It's not his fault, but in the same breath, your thoughts on that they have Jake Allen and he's, you know, the best backup they've had in in how long, Laura? Yeah, um, I was actually thinking about this the other day. Um, One, I I read, I think, I think it was Eric Angles, his article, and he was just talking about how he, I think it was him. He was wishing that when they do um, goalie interference reviews for whether or not it, it should be a good goal, that they should also look into like penalties and yes. giving penalties for what happened. Um, because like concussions are no joke. Um, 
I just read Will. I know Will is a friend of the podcast, Will Christopoulos story on post-concussion um, symptoms. Mm-hmm. And it like, I just, I wish there was more we could do because it sucks seeing guys like Carrie Price sidelined for concussions that it feels like could be prevented. Um, but yeah, I was, I love Carrie Price. Um, Carrie Price is why I decided to be a goalie. Um, he's why I decided to be a Habs fan. But it is interesting that I do feel like Jake Allen has been playing really well when we've needed him to. And now we have Caden Primo getting a chance probably coming up soon. And it'll be interesting to see how he plays because there's a lot of, there's a lot you can get for Carey Price. And for a long time, people have said, oh, trade Carey Price. And I've said, no, like he's the face of that team. But I wouldn't, it, it's maybe like he's an, he's, I don't know. He, it might just be not the way the team's going anymore. Laura, don't, don't talk about getting rid of him. Don't do that to me. It's really funny that you mentioned he's the reason you play goal in your Habs fan because we had Will Baldwin. So many Wills in our program, right? Eh? Oh, it's ridiculous. He, that's the same story for him. I think, you know, he grew up, he liked the same as Carter Hart being a huge Price fan, and that's why he's a Habs fan too. It's, it's funny how Price is like that. Um, and last thing about the Habs, because I, 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 we really want to talk about the golf in the F1. Um, how badly do you want to see Cole Caulfield play? Oh my gosh. I, I saw your um, rant. I saw the clip like, and I felt that. (laughs) Um, And now with Carrie Price out and they're bringing Caden Primo up, I read that they probably don't have the space to now bring Caulfield up. (laughs) No, they do not. Imagine. Imagine. We've talked about for years on this podcast that Mark Bergevin needs to spend his cap space. And now we're at a point where he has no cap space left. Uh, <laughs> it's more frustrating that he went and got a bunch of defensemen at the deadline, knowing that he was going to have to save some for Caulfield. Anyway. Um, so would you like to, Oh, no, I forgot. Sorry, Alex, the North, North division. division you want to talk about. Sorry. Two, two questions for me about the North division. Number one, how do you like the North division? And would you want to see the North division next year and the year after that? Okay. So I actually have been enjoying the North division. I think it's kind of just a breath of fresh air. Um, It's something different. It's kind of fun. I think one thing that's really unique about the North division compared to the other divisions is I've always found with Canadian teams there's so much history between the te- two te- between all the teams in that division, whether it's fans related um, or whatnot. There's just there's a lot of because um, they're all Canadian. There's just a lot of competition between them, even if they don't have history competition. There just inevitably is. And so, one thing that I think is kind of different about the North Division is you can have a team like Vancouver beat a team like Toronto, not necessarily because Vancouver's better than Toronto, but it's just kind of how the Canadian teams work against each other. I feel like every time Montreal and Toronto goes to play each other, I have no clue who's going to win. It doesn't matter if Toronto's the way better team that year or Montreal is. 
because there's so much history between those two teams that there's so many other factors into how they play against each other. So I think that's kind of unique to the North division that is kind of made it interesting because I've like lost track of who's beaten who at this point, because it feels like it kind of makes no sense. Um, and then the second question, I don't hope it stays. Just really? because I uh, honestly, I have not been keeping up with a lot of the team American teams just because I've been so focused on the North division and I do miss like Montreal playing Boston and winning <laughs> and, and stuff like that. I do miss, I feel like there's a whole other side of the league that I'm kind of missing by not seeing teams play more teams. Um, so yeah, but I'm enjoying it. I just, I'm enjoying it for like one year and then I hope it goes back to what it was. Right. Daniel. Um, I guess like for our final question about the North division, I have actually two. Um, the first one is who are your picks for making it out in the top four positions and who you think's going to, I guess, make the fur- like make the furthest push into the playoffs. So definitely like it's, I think it's clearly going to be Toronto, Montreal, Winnipeg, Edmonton moving on. And then from there, I think it'll probably be Toronto, Winnipeg. Um, and from there, I want to say it's going to be Winnipeg. Oh, I think Toronto's better, but I don't trust Toronto in the playoffs. Oh. Yeah, I also <laughs> take I also take Connor Hellebuck yeah. over any single goaltender this team has. So. Yeah, teaser for later on in the show when Alex <laughs> screams about David Finch. Going to be a good scream. time. I'm not going to scream. He's just disappointed. I swear, Laura, we're yeah. not always screamy shouting. It's only once in a while. Mm. Only once in a while. Um, would you like to touch on the golf or F1? Why don't we do golf? Okay. Go ahead, Dan. You got the you got the golf. Yeah. Um, so I guess the first one is can you talk to us about because we, we always joke about this, we always just call him Wayne Gretzky's son-in-law. But can you tell us more about Dustin Johnson and like why he's so dominant right now? Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. I that's like my my like fact for anyone. Oh, like you don't watch golf. Well, did you know Wayne Gretzky's son-in-law <laughs> is a golfer? Um, yeah. So Dustin Johnson is, he's, I believe he's world number one right now. If not, it's sort of him, Justin Thomas and John Rom sort of swap places in the top three quite a bit, but Dustin Johnson has a really well-rounded game. And when he plays really well and is really tuned in he's he's going to win the tournament there's no question about it it's just a matter of if he's fully tuned in um last year he went on a stretch where he repeatedly finished in the top five or i think it was like he swapped between like first second and third in a bunch of tournaments he can hit it he's one of the uh heavier hitters as far as driving goes but he also has a good short game and he can make long putts when he needs to. So um, November, we had a unique masters. Usually it's held in April, like it was this year, but because of COVID they held it in November. And a lot of people say it was an easier masters because the conditions of the course were different because it wasn't done in the spring and it was done closer to winter. But Dustin Johnson actually 
I believe he won uh, with a score of 20 under, which was the lowest Masters winning score. Which, if you think of all the people who played in the Masters, that's quite the accomplishment, right? And a lot of people will say it's because of the course conditions and you'd never see it go that low again, but he still did go that low. And yeah, he's just, he's, I think he's like six, two or something. He hits it really far and he has a great balance of hitting it far, but also being able to make putts when he needs to. He was ahead um, by five, the masters he won, by the way. So just for people context, he was five ahead of, uh, of Smith. Yeah. So I don't know if Smith is good, but I mean, Oh, uh, Smith is Smith is. And Smith, uh, Smith has a mullet actually. That's been, <laughs> he, uh, everybody's been talking. He's got great hair. Um, but yeah, Cameron Smith, he's Australian and he actually did pretty well at this year's masters again. And he's there's, there are, comp, there's a, a thing called the president's cup in golf. It happens every other year. You might've heard of the Ryder cup. Um, yeah. the president's cup is the same format, except it's team USA versus the international team. And, uh, and that features mostly like, uh, well, I guess everybody outside of Europe um, and Cameron Smith was on that last year, two years ago. I think it was 2019, so two years ago. And yeah, he's probably the top Australian golfer right now, or at least one of them. Awesome. Um, I guess like for, in terms of like recent highlights and everything, can you talk to me about like Hideki Matsuyama and just what he was been able to do? I know that like when we were watching it and us as amateurs, we were like, oh, we were just looking at Twitter and I think a lot of people are saying, oh, he wasn't having a really good, I guess, like round round and like, oh, what's going to happen now? And like everything about his lead. So like, you'd like to hear your insight on that. Yeah. So the Masters is always fun because the Masters website actually allows you to watch every single golf shot. <laughs> so that whole weekend for four days straight, I had like multiple screens up watching it. Um and so, yeah, so Hideki basically won the tournament um, on the Saturday. He had good rounds Thursday, Friday, I believe, but he wasn't the leader. It was uh, Justin Rose was leading after the first two rounds. But then he put in a basically perfect round on Saturday that gave him, I believe, a five-shot lead as well, five, four, something, or something along those lines, a, a big lead. And he actually ended up only winning by one stroke, which, so it kind of shows you, I think he, he might've actually shot one over as his final score, a 73, I believe a 72 or a 73, depending on what the par was. But um, yeah, he, he had, he basically, people were saying he did what he needed to do to win. He saved when he missed the fairway, he saved it. He, and there's a lot of pressure when you go into Sunday at the Masters leading, especially he was the first uh, male golfer from Japan to win a major. So, and a lot of media personnel on Twitter would say that during normal times, Hideki Matsuyama has probably the most reporters asking him questions next to Tiger out of all the golfers. So he has a lot of media attention, which I think adds a lot of pressure going into that Sunday masters. So he did, he didn't play a great round, but he did what he needed to do. 
I was watching, like, very casually watching the Masters. By the way, I don't like how TSN cover it. There's, like, four different channels. It's, like, sometimes it's I, it's weird. But you know what? It, it felt like those last few holes, like, Hideki and Xander just I, – I wasn't convinced either of them wanted. They just – those last few holes were were brutal to watch. It was, it was, it was getting bad. Um, shall we uh, – so explain to us, like, layman's terms here like the complete amateur know nothing about golfs that we are. How does a normal season go down? It's kind of complicated, but basically you have a normal season where you have a bunch of golf tournaments and not every golfer will go into every tournament. If you're one of the top golfers, there's basically a priority list based on how well you're playing. So guys like Dustin Johnson, Hideki Matsuyama, they're going to be really high up on the priority list. They get to pick which tournaments they go into because they know if they say, hey, I want to get into this tournament, they're getting in. So you have to play a set amount of tournaments, but there's way more than um, you actually play in. So that's why it seems like golf's on every weekend. It's because it is. (laughs) But not everybody's playing in every weekend. And then at the end, and basically you um, get points in the FedEx Cup standings for the PGA Tour um, based on how you do. And at the end of the season, they have the FedEx Cup playoffs and it's a three tournament playoff. So the first tournament, I believe it's 120. Yeah, I think it's 120 players. If you're in the top 120 on the FedEx Cup standings, you get to play in this first tournament. And then after that tournament, the new standings, the top 70 get invited. And then after that tournament, the top 30 get invited. And if and that's the FedEx Cup, the final tournament. And if you're in that tournament, the you automatically win a ton of money as like sort of like a congratulations for being in the top 30. Um, and that ends, that's kind of a complicated format, the final one, Mm -hmm. because what they've done is basically if you're the, they want to make it. So if you are the first ranked player going into it, you have the best chance at winning. And so I believe it's like the first, if you're the first ranked player going into it, you start at 10 under. Okay. (laughs) And then they, they go down the list like that. So that way it stays as true. Mm-hmm. It's really complicated. They've also, they've changed it over the years too, to try and make it. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's complicated, but that's basically the season. So I, I think a buddy of mine the other day was telling me about the winnings in the FedEx cup and he sent me a picture and I think, I don't know how accurate this is, but maybe you can say 24th place wins at least 450, sorry, $456,000. Second five million, it's like showing, like making that last cut, as you say, half a million dollars. Yeah, it's it's huge. And it's it's like their bonus. Like that's what it basically is because they um, they also, I believe the winner gets 10 million for like winning. And that's just in, it really, it's your whole season, but it's in one weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they also, they just came out. I haven't read too much about it, but I believe they just, the PGA tour just announced they're doing a new bonus and it's a 40 million, uh, like 
pot of money um, for like social engagement. It's for like the most popular player. <laughs> what? So, well, this is going to be like, oh, that's okay. I haven't, I, I think they announced it yesterday. I haven't looked into it very much, but yeah. They should do it in the NHL. So we just don't have to see Connor McDavid awkwardly standing there. And then maybe he'll do something. Maybe. maybe. Yeah. No, he won't. Um, <laughs> Alex, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Drive to Survive, the last the last season they did, because we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet. Um, I was wondering what you thought about it. And then how do you think the series as a whole has impacted F1's popularity? Okay, yeah. I... I liked this new season. It's definitely probably my least favorite, but I still liked it. Um, I think they missed out on a lot of exciting plots. Uh, probably biggest being George Russell driving in the Mercedes. I really wanted to see that. Um, and I think, I mean, it's definitely bumped like sort of up the engagement and the amount of fans i think i read somewhere that the like formula one reddit went from like under a million to way more (laughs) so um yeah i think i think i think it's definitely i think a lot of i think north american fans are getting into formula one now just because i know for a long time i wasn't waking up at 8 a.m to watch the races, there needed to be sort of some other reason that I was so into it that I wanted to wake up at eight to watch it as opposed to just catching the highlights later in the day on TSN. Um, So I definitely think it's really added a bunch of new viewers. Do you think there was actually tension between Lando and Carlos? Because I don't, and it really pissed me off. Not a chance. (laughs) No, right? Okay, so it's not just me. It's like, I hated how they did that. They did that with um, Danny Rick and Max in the first season, too. Yes, yeah, they did. They did. Um, I I know Adam is going to ask about the championship. Before that, the an even more interesting fight, but maybe not more interesting, but the the midfield, Ferrari versus McLaren, who will finish third? I mean, it might not be either of those teams, but I just threw those teams out there because they seem like the front runners at this point. I, I definitely think it's going to be either McLaren or Ferrari. I think there's kind of, I don't want to say unique because there's been so many seasons, but unique to recent years where I don't even know if you could call McLaren and Ferrari best of the rest. There's kind of like top A and top B (laughs) and top A is Mercedes versus Red Bull. And then top B is McLaren versus Ferrari. And then there's the rest. Um, And I honestly think Ferrari is going to finish on top. I think McLaren has the better car but based based off of the first two races, we've seen out of the four drivers between McLaren and Ferrari, Lando has been racing the best. Um, but then Danny Rick has struggled in the McLaren and he hasn't been coming all that close to Lando. It's definitely not a Red Bull situation, but he hasn't, he's still getting used to that car. And I feel like it might be 
like halfway through the season where Danny Rick finally starts to feel like he's got control of that McLaren. Whereas I think Carlos Sainz being in a very similar position, he seems to have gotten really good control over that Ferrari already. I mean, I think was it in Bahrain that he, in Q2, he set the fastest lap and he's, he's matched um, Charles Leclerc really close at both races. So I think Ferrari just has a better um, both drivers, mm-hmm. whereas McLaren, I think they have a good driver and a driver, that, driver that's not struggling, but just not as high up there. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I noticed that you, you have your blog inside the drive and you actually wrote an article quickly about Carlos Sainz and how he was performing. So people, check that out. Um, I mean, he looks a lot more comfortable than Seb did last year in that Ferrari, so we'll take it. Um, it's interesting that you said the North American fans because um, Alex got Daniel and I into Formula One, like I think last season was the first time we'd fully watched. Um, and it was from Drive to Survive. Um, and so we've gotten used to, like, you look back the past couple of years, and every time you watch a Grand Prix, it starts with, it's lights out, and away we end. Lewis Hamilton wins the Grand Prix, insert name here. We know how it works. Valtteri's P2, and Max has not done anything because he's just been too far ahead. It's not been the case to start this season, though. It's been pretty close, Laura. Yeah. It's been, like, exciting. <laughs> yes. Definitely hopeful. There were quite a few races um, last year where my brother would have to miss it because he would have to work and he'd come home and be like, was it worth like, is it worth watching it now? And I'd be like, yeah, but you could probably guess the podium. (laughs) Um, And it doesn't look like this year that's going to happen. Which is exciting. I mean, Lewis Hamilton is clearly still, one of the best drivers. I mean, even on Sunday, the way he was able to fight his way back up to a podium position, like it shows he's a really good driver, but I think the Red Bull car has definitely stepped up their game and they always had a driver capable of winning races in Max Verstappen, but now they also have a car that's allowing Max to, um, I guess, put in a better chance at winning, which is really exciting. I think even more fans will start watching now that we have sort of more competition and the people who maybe don't get into it because they don't realize that the race is still exciting, even if Lewis Hamilton wins every race, Mm -hmm. um, they'll start getting into it because that's not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Going, we we talked a little bit about Imola earlier today. I think one of the biggest stories coming out of it, somehow even overshadowing how close the race at the top has been, I think at least was the incident between George Russell and Valtteri Bottas. Who do you think was at blame for that crash? I, um, Toto Wolf after the race said he thought it was a 60-40 and he wouldn't say for who, yes. but I think it was 60% George's fault and then I'd actually say more like 70% George and then 30% Bottas. Um, I think George was trying to make the move and Valtteri's ever so slight, like 
ever so slight movement over, George interpreted as like a commitment to move over. And so as a result, George reacted as if Valtteri was continuously moving towards the right, as opposed to just an ever so slight move. Mm -hmm. Um, And even George Russell put out an apology, I think yesterday or the day before, because I'm guessing he watched it and realized that Valtteri didn't really move into his line. And I definitely still had space. Um, yeah, I, I'd have to go with George on that one. Okay, it's yeah. you know, plus like Imola's, it's such a time, like it's such a narrow track. You got to be even more. What was like the best overtake last year? Was I think it was um, why can't I remember his name? The Russian uh, Kiriat, and it was like the only overtake of the entire race because it's just you can't overtake there. Um, Alex, I mean, no, Daniel, <laughs> off my game. God damn it, go ahead, Daniel. No worries. Um. So I remember for the Risonian, you wrote a lot about Nicholas Latifi. So I'd like to hear more about this year with with both him and Lance Stroll about, I guess, in terms of bringing Canadian content on here. Um, how do you expect their season to go or how's it been going so far? Yeah, um, I'll start with Latifi. I think Latifi actually had like a bit of a bad break last year being the only rookie on the grid. So, and not only was he the only rookie on the grid, he was in by far the worst car. And so it felt like almost every race, Nicholas Latifi with no one around him was spinning the car. And well, I think he got a lot of hate of people. I mean, he, obviously he has that pay driver title. And so with that mixed in with spinning and the Williams not being a great car, a lot of people were saying he wasn't a great driver. But I think now we're seeing with the Haas cars having the Haas now is basically the new Williams, it looks like. And they have two new rookie drivers who keep spinning. I think it's kind of showing that Nicholas Latifi um, is a lot better of a driver than people were initially giving him credit for last season. So and he even he um, was it this weekend that he. Uh, was ahead of George in quality at one point. I think, him. yeah, he, he beat him going into Q2. Yeah, um, which I don't think we would have really seen um, last year. And he made it into Q2 for the second time in his career, which is huge. So I think I'm hopeful for Nicholas Latifi this year. I, I've heard a lot of people say that you can't ever really count uh, F1 drivers' rookie season because those cars are so powerful that a lot of drivers just need a full season to get used to driving that car. And so they're driving it more just to get to the finish line as opposed to trying to make moves. So I think we'll see a lot more of Nicholas Latifi's um, abilities this year. And I'm excited for that because I think he's already shown great improvement. And then from Lance Stroll, I think kind of a similar, there's kind of a similar argument there with, he's gotten a bad rep over the years um, of people saying he's not good enough. And then with his pole position last season and his podiums, I think that really sort of stopped the critics at that point. And now with Sebastian Vettel, four-time world champion, obviously it's, he's new to the car and Lance Stroll has been driving it for a while, but he's quite outperforming his teammate right now. And I think that's showing a lot of people that Lance Stroll is a lot better of a driver than people give him credit for. So I'm kind of excited for the Canadian drivers this year, just to kind of show that they are good F1 drivers. Um, 
So yeah. <laughs> Great. I have one follow up because you mentioned rookie seasons and getting used to a car. Um, Alex and Adam have been uh, not really criticizing me on this show, but more of my fandom of Alex Albon. So I'd like to hear more about your thoughts about him and how his first season went. Well, so fun fact about Alex Albon, his girlfriend is on the LPGA tour. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So just a nice little crossover. <laughs> um, I think Alex Albon just was in the unlucky position of being a Red Bull driver. I think it's, it's kind of almost like a thankless job being in that second Red Bull driver's position. First, we saw it with uh, Danny Kvyat, who got dropped for Max Verstappen. And then we saw it with Pierre, who got replaced by Alex. And then now Alex getting dropped, and he's the reserve driver now. I think Alex Albon is a good driver. Um, and I hope he gets a seat again. But the I fear the one year at Red Bull might have actually really hurt his chances because he's right now he's stuck in that Red Bull world. And Pierre Gasly is performing amazingly at AlphaTauri and Yuki Tsunoda is also has really impressed this year so far, I think. So I don't see a spot in AlphaTauri opening up anytime soon. And that's really all he has left. And I don't see them putting him back in Red Bull as much as I think they'd like to see him back in Red Bull. I don't, I, I honestly feel like Yuki Sonoda will probably get that spot if it opens up because I think they're moving on to newer drivers. Now I hope for Alex Albon that he's able to use the silly season and pick up a spot at like and is it Alpine? Is that how they pronounce it? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. At Alpine or what? just one of those teams, even a Haas, if he can find a spot there or anything. My hope is he can get into a midfield team because I don't see his career progressing at Red Bull. But I do think he's a good driver and anybody in that second seat was just not going to look good because Max Verstappen is so good and has so much experience in that car. Do you think they picked the right guy in Sergio Perez? I do. I think the the three drivers they were kind of looking at, I, I definitely think it was the right decision to replace Alex Albon. Um, I think both for Alex Albon and for the team. I think it's it, it would be like, I don't know, the Habs putting Cole Caulfield on their top line and being like, well, the whole team's – are on your shoulders now, right? He, it's too much pressure for someone to just start out like that. And so I think it was kind of unfair to Alex Albon to do that. So I think the three people they were kind of that, whose names were getting tossed around was Vettel, Hulkenberg, and um, Perez. And I think we all knew Vettel wasn't going back to Red Bull. That just too many issues there, I guess. And then I do think because Perez was driving so great towards the end of last season that even though Hulkenberg showed great driving when he was called up, he still never got a podium. And as much as you'd like to believe that he could, he doesn't have the facts to back it up. And as great of a driver as he is, he 
can't the same way Montreal can't figure out how to win the game by the end of the game. Um, Hulkenberg can't seem to finish the race. And so I, and Perez won. So I definitely think it was a right decision. And I think he's going to do well. I hope. Yeah. By the way, Daniel, we weren't making fun of you for being an Albon fan. We just really, really wanted Perez to still have a seat. Okay. Right? It's a bit unfair. And joke about pressure. Sorry? Just that whole story of how he was he got dropped by what's now Aston Martin and he was gonna be out of seat and everybody was heartbroken for him. Mm-hmm. That yeah. it was like a great, I guess, story to then get him picked up. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I feel I, I do give Netflix a bit of leeway because so much happened in Secure. But you know what? I wish they had more than 10 episodes because I feel like you could have you know how in like season one they they stretched the Red Bull stuff through multiple episodes. I felt like you could have maybe done that with Sergio. Like, did we need the Haas episode? I don't think we did. Um, and by the way, you want to talk about pressure? Did you guys know that Quebec's premier like talked about how excited he was when Caulfield got called up? <laughs> the, yeah, the That's premier crazy. was like, yeah, here we go, Cole. So pressure. Um, wow, good luck. Yeah, yeah. Um, just play him. <laughs> Laura, you have been incredibly gracious with your time. Um, we are terrible with keeping people, you know, at a reasonable time, so we do apologize. Um, but it has been a joy talking to you. Um, hopefully we can do this again, and we will hopefully talk some more golf. Um, because, you know what? People make fun of it, but if you actually sit down and just watch golf, it's actually really relaxing. I've noticed like, it's a fun sport to watch. Um, so thank you for coming on. And again, one more time, if you want to just plug all of your stuff, the floor is yours. Okay. Well, thank you for having me. Um, so yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Lara Christine with two E's. Um, I have a blog inside the drive, uh, .ca and uh, I guess Instagram, which is Lara Kuypers. They're all different names, which is amazing. It's all right. Our, our good, the real hard worker of the podcast, Alex, will have it all linked. Um, when this is up, we'll send it to you. Uh, we will be back in the second. OHL season, not great news. Um, Patrick Marlowe stuff. Alex is not happy about the Leafs. And yeah, we will be back. We will be back in a second. Lads, we are back back. Uh, we are you? half David Backus. Okay. <laughs> You're punsy. Do you have these written down or is it just like, no, I just hits you. It hits me like it always 10 to 15 minutes before the episode. <laughs> they just got, they just, they just, they just come up. The creative hey. juices flow when the uh, microphone's on. Sure. Um, you should write them down so that you can remember oh. them and you use oh. them on like, just keep using them. Half of them are going to be the episode names, but anyway, uh, lovely talking to Lara. That was a really, really good time. Um, again, if you're listening, Sorry that we took so long of your time. <laughs> We're sorry. Um, but that was really, really, that was a lot of fun, seriously. Um, it was really nice to talk F1 and golf. Because, I, again, like, I started, the Masters was the first time I actually got, like, went down and watched golf. And it's enjoyable, man. Plus, like, golf is one of those sports that, like, I've only, like, played putt-putt in that. But I've always wanted to actually play golf. Because, like, it's fun. Yeah. I've, I've but, played it a few times. Um I think because I have I have a few friends that are really into it. Yeah. That it just it becomes a bit intimidating where it's like 
I don't know these guys. Um, I remember apparently I kept saying Rory McIlroy for so long, and apparently it's Rory McIlroy. See, like these is like yeah. the things I don't know. Um, apparently Mike Weir doesn't play anymore. I kept using that one. Um, I make a joke one time. I remember um, because I just know it from a movie. So there's a famous American golfer named Walter Hagen. Okay, but it's from like the 1930s. Oh. Okay. I would bring him up like he's not playing anymore. And oh, like, just oh my like gosh. when you were in high school, right? So oh, yeah, when I was in high school. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, by the way, I'm not comparing putt putt golf to real golf. Tell me, Laura, here is that should be really no. I I I'm not. I'm just saying. So are um, you really good at putt putt golf? No. Oh, I'm not. God. I'm not coordinated enough. I don't have the patience to like line up. I'm. I'm actually. I'm a terrible. We, we got to find the right person to come play golf with us. Yeah, yeah, Michael sure. Jordan. Because you bet Laura's probably pretty sick, and she just embarrasses us. We just gotta do like the two-on-one podcast golf tour and get all our guests and just do something nice. We'll call Mike. We'll call Mike. Yeah, two-on-one podcast <laughs> golf tour. And what? What else did I want to do? A lot. You know of what? This, yeah, I wanted to do a meet and greet. <laughs> a meeting. Yeah, Daniel. I don't think this podcast is out of. I think it, it would just be. Most our friends from around the school. Anyway, I mean, um, it's an we, excuse to get our friends together. We we do, yeah. Once all this is done, I have to can't yeah. see people again. Pizza meet um, and greet. There you go. We do have some bad news to start the show, unfortunately, and that's the uh, earlier today. IIHF confirmed that, um, and I'm reading their their tweet from their official account here. The IIHF received confirmation from the province of Nova Scotia that the women's worlds in Halifax and Truro, Truro will be canceled due to safety concerns associated with COVID-19. Um, the women's game has just been hitting really hard by COVID this year. And I do ask the question, can you not move it somewhere else? Like, I, it sounds like the yeah. men's world is going on. I don't exactly know where it is, but I don't think it would be difficult to just relocate because I don't think anyone's gone there yet. Or like, I, I have a lot of questions about that. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I feel like we're not trying our hardest to, to keep the women's world right now. Well, not even just, not even just move it. I think you have so many formulas that have proven to work in terms of hosting a bubble or hosting a tournament that the fact that your first reaction is to cancel it come it, it is very odd to me because like it's been done before you have a proven system, right? It's not mm-hmm. the double IHF. They run the world juniors, right? Yeah. It's all mm-hmm. under that umbrella. So you did the, they world have juniors. the resources. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really, when you put it like that, they, they dealt the world juniors. Remember Sweden were like half done. The, remember Germany? Germany yeah. And they even Canada, them. like all of their, uh, the majority of their, uh, cuts were all people who contracted covid yeah uh it, it you asked the questions there um do a little a little bit more there um and I, I do think we'd be a bit remiss if we didn't also mention that um Derek Chauvin was found guilty of all um all three charges yesterday in Minnesota apparently the yeah. first time a white cop has been um charged with all three or found guilty I think Lewis Hamilton tweeted about it um we mentioned it because uh, we can talk about the NHL's statement about it, but at the same time, um, you hope that this is more than just a sort of blip, that you hope that this is a real start for real change, I'd say. Um, yeah. And at the same time, though, you still think back and say that it is a shame that someone, um, or that a lot of people have lost their lives. Um, the George Floyd thing should never have happened. Um 
Yeah, go go ahead. It's just it's not easy to talk about, but it, we would be awful if we didn't mention it today. I, I um a couple things. Number one, I so and I even said it myself. I think I sent the text in the group chat yesterday. It wasn't justice; it was accountability. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the biggest. I, I think that's one of the biggest things. It's not justice. Like this is someone being held accountable for their wrongdoing. Like there's no ifs, ends, or buts about it. Um, and I I know there's going to be people complaining because you and no one there's never a situation where 100 of the people are happy but i think in this case a very large majority of the people are very happy um yeah go ahead sorry sorry uh, sorry i I was gonna throw it to daniel by saying you know i also think guys that we the people who still don't understand that this isn't politics this is people I think it used to annoy me. Now it's just like, I, 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 some people just don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just, it was, it was, you know, as anything as this was going to be, it was always going to be divisive, especially on social media, you know, the, the black hole that is Twitter sometimes. Yeah. But I think the biggest thing and um, I, I take from this is that people were surprised that, that he was convicted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're like when yeah. we talk about accountability, it was more of like the shock that they actually got it right this time. That that like after so much deliberation, so much of this coverage and everything, of the other cases that have either not gone to court, the other ones that have had these decisions that didn't, you know, really didn't serve any justice that you get something like this and people could still come out and say like I'm still in shock about this because I, me personally, I'm still in shock. Like there was a sigh of relief. Like I had a, a when, when I found out it was going to be between four thirty and like five o'clock. As soon as four thirty hit, I'm like I I couldn't watch it live. I I'm like I just it was a I, I if they said he was not guilty, I don't know how I would have reacted uh, watching it live. And there was this weird sigh of relief when they when they found him guilty. But it's like, man, like, I shouldn't. It shouldn't be that way. Exactly. Um, and and there, there's the problem. There is the problem. Um, this was the NHL statement. And I think every team, or I, I haven't checked all 31 or Seattle 32. Um, but I know the Leafs did. I know the Habs did. Um, NHL at least. I know um, the. Is it the Raiders? The oh, no. Las Vegas Raiders had a weird. A, they didn't delete it yet. With the date saying no. I can breathe now. The, I think it the was the owner double downed on on it. Yeah. Anyway, Kayla Gray's been on it. Like I don't like yeah. she she mentioned it. It's just I don't know what's going on with that. Um. And Kayla Gray also looked at the and I think she quoted the NHL statement. I'm going to read it to you here. The National Hockey League statement following today's verdict in Minneapolis. Quote, while we hope the end of the trial offers a chance for healing, we remain committed to actively engaging in the, uh, in the movement for equality, and we invite our fans to join us in supporting systematic change. Now, Adam Silver, I believe in the NBA statement, he himself actually put his voice on it. Like Adam Silver says, this feels like it's the NHL going to a lawyer and saying, give me something this very second. There was nothing from Bettman. Um, I think even each individual team has had statements longer than this. And again, it is an example of the NHL. 
I don't even want to say being behind, but it is, it gives the, I am not accusing them of this, but it gives off the impression that they don't care. And this is just that something that is required by them to put out there. I wouldn't even just limit it to length. I think I'd limit it. I, I'd say I'd expand it and say, what is in the statement? Like I have the, I just pulled up the NBA and NBPA statement. Um, and, and just the, the wording of the statement is so like, not aggressive. Personal. It's not, it's yeah, it's personal, but it's like, it, 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 it's like the NHL one is just so it, it reads like a PR statement. It's um, it reminds me of, remember when, uh, they didn't really have too many statements of it. And then they decide to not cancel their game. But then like when the other yes. leagues did, and then the next, the next few games, they just had on the, uh, they just had up on like the teleprompter and racism. They did like the, the moment of silence for the 7 PM game. And they had nothing for the 10 PM game. Yeah. They didn't even, it was, there were a lot of problems. Like there were no more video packages talking about it for the rest of the playoffs. Um, you know, the Western teams, Every player came out. There was that, it was, you know, remember Jason Dickinson, Pierre-Edmar Velomar, um, Kadri, and then the Eastern teams just had their captains speak to the media. And it was like, oh, um, it's, it's again, not a good look for the NHL. And you, I, I just, I want so much better from the league of the sport I love. Um, and they just, they continue to disappoint. Um I, again, it's simple. Please do better. Um, and again, I think, yeah, I think like one final thing I'd like to say about that is when we talk about, and you know, these are just beyond the other things when, because I think revenue is just one part of influence when it comes to these major leagues where the NHL is a type of league where, you know, we've had so many people come onto the show, talk about, you know, maybe it's third or fourth on that list. It's just, these are the type of ways where, you know, you get, connected to what's kind of going on that's bigger than the sport and in this way this is how you could kind of connect with the other communities and connect with people exactly that's a very good point daniel um anything else you guys want to touch on the nhl stuff the jared chauvin stuff anyway like anything else you want to add um me no Mm -hmm. okay um now we we got i swear the rest of the show now will be i think some fun hockey stuff it's a Sharp turn, but again, it's a turn nonetheless. Um, I'd say this is kind of like, we touched on it with Lara for a second there. Yeah. The OHL season has officially been canceled, and they didn't even, they never took off. Um, you remember when we were arguing about, I'm well, not even arguing, but there was the idea of they're not going to be able to hit. And that was the big thing. And all of a sudden it went really, really quiet. Cause I think we were all just hoping waiting mm-hmm. and now it's done. The Memorial cup was canceled earlier in the week. And then it just yeah. went full AHL because now there's a new stay at home order in Quebec and Ontario. The borders are closed around it for, you know, non-essential travel. And what's really, I think the big question here is obviously you feel terrible for these kids. Like, Kids that are going to need to go in like overagers to go back into the draft aren't going to have a chance. And, and like, that's the big thing is how in the world are, are OHL prospects going to be seen and, and, and really, uh, how would you say, evaluated 
going into the draft. I mean, this is the shockwaves of this are going to be felt for a few years, like a few, a few years, a while for the foreseeable future from this draft. Yeah. Um, the two things that I kind of got from this, and this kind of attributes to a lot of the notes Bob McKenzie wrote for his draft rankings. And there's two things. The first thing is there's no, it's no surprise that you see the top five and a lot of them are NCAA players because they had a chance to play 26 games plus the playoffs this year. Yeah. And another thing with that is um, it's just everything. It's, it's a bit of a toss up. And like the way you've mentioned where these people want to know, like these players, they want to know like what's kind of the direction of these things. Like, cause again, like these rankings mean so much to them. These, this whole thing about, you know, going back the one year and like just seeing how things go. It's just, it's, it's, it's really disappointing to see. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I just uh, went to pull up. What did Montreal and Toronto do in terms of drafting this year? Cause I don't even think it was not just the future, but look at the 2020 draft. Montreal picked two guys out of Canada, obviously Caden Gooley and Yan Yan Mizak from uh, Prince Albert and from where Hamilton. Um, and one thing on Meshack, yeah, uh, I I think a majority of his was it he was Hamilton, right? Correct. I see, sorry, let me let me double check. There's a bit of a thing with Meshack, but yeah, sorry, go on, yeah. And I look at Toronto, they picked two guys out of on uh, out of Canada, one being William Villeneuve from St. John's and then um, Ryan Verberg, but he's in the OJHL for the Toronto Junior Canadians. Like, I think it's being seen like from the teams that we follow that the missed Memorial cup and like the back half of the season did play an impact. And knowing mm-hmm. that next year, the U.S. is going to have hockey. Uh, Europe is going to have hockey, and Canada was and the CHL um, was in such a. It, it was such a divide because between are we having a season, are we not having a season, mm. that it was even impacted this year. Yeah, and, like go sorry, go Adam. No, I, I just wanted to quickly see and Meshach, who he was actually kind of lucky because he actually split his nineteen twenty season. He played in the OHL with the Bulldogs. He also played in the Czech League. Czech League. I'm not going to say this right because it's the Czech League, but with Lit- Litvinov HC. Go on, Daniel. So yeah, um, actually, excellent setup for what I was about to say because a big point um of it from um you know a lot of these reporters you know one day I hope that we could get to do this where it's like a scout said we didn't even have to say the name it's like one scout told me but a lot <laughs> yeah. of it is even the players that have been drafted already in terms of their development where because of the pandemic it's like hey hold on you're not going back to the team you knew already you're not staying in Ontario you're not staying you're not staying where you've developed your game we're sending you to Europe mm-hmm. like and it's it's been a big thing because one is, and Bob McKenzie said it too. It's like once you go past maybe the top fifteen, it's a crapshoot now because you'll rank these guys, but it's like you rank them based on the team he was familiar with, or what how he played. Like for example, he was a first line center a year and a half ago, and then now you put him in a men's league at eighteen, nineteen, and he's playing like third fourth line minutes and it's just like hard to kind of hard to kind of know or even when he talks about the the goalie ranking some of these goalies haven't played all year 
And it's oh. just, you just don't know. And I don't know if this has to do with it, but, you know, you'll see two goalies, for example, Jesper Wallstad is supposed to go in the top 15. He's a top 10 goalie on Bob McKenzie's list. But again, it's just like, you you compare him with like, I think it was Marco Kosas. Kosas? I might have gotten that name wrong, but he's the Canadian goalie that's supposed to go the first round too. But that guy's never played, like, he's barely played this year. Right. As if it wasn't more difficult... As if it wasn't difficult enough for goalies to really get draft attention. Just cut their season. Okay, Alex, I need you to explain to us what this Super League oh. thing that <laughs> okay. isn't I, really looking like it's happening. But like, oh, no. what, what is it's this? Not, it's not happening. Yeah. This is the best way I could put it. Okay. Um, imagine in the NHL, the original six teams decided, hey, we're going to break off. We're still going to be part of the NHL, but we're going to have our own competition where the t- where we get all the money and like the TV rights, it's all ours. And to be honest, no one's going to really care about like the NHL. Um, that's my best way of putting it in terms of hockey. Okay. But it's a little different because the way European soccer works is a little, um, it's very different. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to take the European, the North American model and bring it to Europe and Europe, the European fans are having absolutely none of it because in Europe, there's relegation, there's promotion, right? So there's the premier league and then there's, um, oh man, why can't I remember what the next one down? Like there's the second tier, third tier goes down yeah, yeah. and you can move up and down depending on how good you are. And, and et cetera, and different things. What they're trying to do would honestly, I think, destroy the reputation of these clubs because no one, like it already has. And, and I want to be clear, when I'm talking about these teams, I'm not talking about the players. I'm not talking about the managers. I'm not talking about their scouts. I am talking about their billionaire owners. Because the players don't like it. The managers don't like it. Like the two biggest managers in the world and Jurgen, in my opinion, Jurgen Klopp and Pep Guardiola have spoken out about the super league. Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp. Yeah. So, and what it is, is so it's these like massive teams. So like Juventus, uh, Man City, Man United, Tottenham, Harry Kane, like guy, how are you? Like Barcelona, the big guys. Yeah, the the biggest so, biggest clubs in the world. So, uh, and, and, but haven't won really much in recent yeah. years, to be honest. Okay. So, so yeah, basically like half the Canadian teams in the NHL. Right. Um, so, or all of them for twenty six six years. So <laughs> yeah. it would basically what the way I understand is, and I am embarrassed that I am English born. I don't. I'm not a big soccer guy. Yeah. Is it would then destroy the prestige. And basically, I would assume with that, then the money associated with, again, like every other league would just go, it would disappear. Like a a rabbit out of a hat, it's gone. Well, the biggest, I believe this was actually the biggest one when it was signed, the biggest TV rights package, around $4 billion. (laughs) Wow. Was the Premier League, was the Premier League. I don't remember how long over what period of time, but it was very, it's very big. Like it's huge. Um. Was the NHL's? The NHL's is nothing. Um, and what this would do, in my opinion, would the the Super League 
because of the size of the clubs, not necessarily because of how good they are, but because of their international reputation, would probably get a bigger package than what the Premier League had gotten. Because your taking comes from England, Spain, Italy, like uh, the biggest clubs in Europe and putting them together, which then, okay, like what? where's the money now for the Premier League? Where's the money now for... Serie A. Where's the money for League? Uh, where's the money for the Bundesliga? Like it's gonna be non-existent. And to be honest, like I think the the fans care about earning your spot. And and I know in recent history, the biggest these teams probably have spent more money than than like the NHL could ever imagine. How. Yeah. Like a player player was moved from one club to another for 250 million euros a few years ago. Wow. That's like three salary caps. Um, by the way, yes. so four around four billion for that TV deal, the NHL's new one is worth six hundred and twenty-five million. Does it even twenty-five million? Um what was I gonna I was thinking of something for a second there. Um and naturally, because of this, UEFA and FIFA are mad. Yeah, of course. Which, by the way, and when, when Alex, I was talking to Alex about this last night, and I just said to him, "You know who I feel bad for here? Of the and beside the fans, obviously, Daniel. Do you know who what I what I said? What did you say? I said no one, <laughs> because I don't feel bad for the millionaires, the billionaires, and I certainly the do Bruce not Wayans. feel bad yes. for FIFA. No. No. The, the second most corrupt organization in the world behind the IOC. So we're not buying FIFA anymore, guys. Well, that's e, that's an EA game. I'm not going to buy it anyway. <laughs> we're buying um, um, Pro Evolution Soccer Exactly. Now. Yeah. And, and you brought UEFA and FIFA up there, and, and there's two points I want to bring up there. Um, yeah. Number one is there is no good guy in this situation. Like I, I think that's that's more than clear. It should be because I see a lot of guys saying, "Well, if you don't have the Super League, you're just going back to UEFA," which they're also like corrupt. But you're, I get like, there's no good guy. It's just you either go to one bad guy or you go the other bad guy. And to be honest, this bad, the UEFA and FIFA are the better bad guy in this scenario because you're not fully ruining everything else. Mm-hmm. Um. So what's an example of that? Like Daniel Craig, James Bond, because he's kind of an anti-hero. I don't know. I don't know if I have another, if I have a good example of that. I've never uh, seen the 007 movie. So I, oh my gosh, really? um, No, never have. I'm yeah. I'm sorry. I don't have a good analogy for that one. Um, I just remember when they came out. But but the, the second thing is, it's the last thing I'm, I, I, I have to say, at least. I do feel really bad for the players. I, I know this isn't going to end. This is this Super League's not going through. All six uh, English clubs have pulled out. Uh, it, the Italian teams are starting to pull out. Like, this is just gone. Like, it's all but gone. But UEFA and FIFA were going to ban these players from playing in the Euros and in the World Cup. And I had this conversation with Adam yesterday. I'm very well aware of what it means to wear the Canadian, the, the, the leaf on your Jersey in the Olympics or the world cup of hockey, but we are talking about the biggest sporting event worldwide. Like there's the super bowl. And then there is the world cup. I, I was looking 
There are a billion people who watch the World Cup final. A billion. Right? Like, when you think, like, playing for soccer players, I think playing for your country means so, so much. Because in Europe and in South America, it is, you are beloved if you win. You Mm. are, like... It, it, I don't know if it would be the exact same here because I just don't know if the popularity is here. But when Italy won the World Cup, Woodbridge was insane. Woodbridge Maybe we was, saw each other in the crowd, Alex. Like, <laughs> Maybe we like before this this whole time, we, we saw each other in the crowd of Woodbridge. Like they won the semifinals. Or it might have been the quarterfinals. And there was I went to Fortino's, which is a grocery store in Woodbridge. Like, there's a few locations. Italian Walmart. Yeah. And there were people driving on Highway 7 and just slamming their horns, guys standing outside of their sunroof. Like, st- like you know, when you stand and your half your body's outside the sunroof? Yeah, they were doing that, okay? Like, that's the quarterfinals. They hadn't even won yet. <laughs> what is the next World Cup or Euro um, Cup? Well, the Euros was supposed to be last year, and now it's supposed to be this summer. And then the World Cup is next summer. So can we expect to see you in a sunroof wearing Azura blue? If Italy win, maybe. Okay. And it's safe to do so, obviously, because of COVID. Okay, okay. Maybe we'll have it sorted out by then. Another year, Doug? Maybe? (laughs) Maybe. Okay, there's another thing too. Maybe when these things come up, Adam and I will be better when it comes to talking about soccer or football. Sure, if you want. Okay, so last episode we talked about Patrick Marlowe tying the game's played record, Gordie Howes. He's now broken it. So apparently there were some tweets about this that people got upset about. Somehow I have not seen them. I have made sure not to see them. I saw that on 31 Thoughts that Elliot and Jeff were talking, are like friends of the show. Um, I skipped that. I was listening to the Steve Dangle podcast. I saw it. I skipped it. So what are these tweets? And like, like and I have some things about the WHA because I heard mm-hmm. that there was some stuff about that. But like, what is it? What were these tweets? So they're from our two. They're one of them is you know I, I can't think of more of a favorite reporter of mine. Um, oh, for no. the Leafs. Uh, <laughs> so the, there was an argument going around, and I think it was honestly the worst day to have the argument. And and it's not about what he said. I, like we can have an argument about whether Patrick Marlowe should be in the hall of fame or not. Like that's a separate discussion unrelated to what was happening on this day. It's the timing of the tweets. It was a discussion. His hall. Of- okay. Sorry. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. No, like yeah. it was okay. just that there was a discussion on Twitter. Like, you know, when that the, the cesspool of Twitter starts a discussion. Okay. And, and then it gets built up. So this is Steve Simmons tweet. Heart trophies. Uh-huh. One. Gretzky, nine. Howe, six. Shore, four. Ovi, Lemieux, or Clark, Morenz, all three. Marlowe once finished ninth in heart voting, which is true, but it's not the point, Steve. All, yeah. Like, it's just, why are you doing it on this day? Why? Because he, he, he wants the clicks. Also, I know, you know, this, this happened a few years ago, too, but it's not at this extent because it's Marlo still playing, but I'll give another example of who is someone that I don't, I put like, you know, he is in the hall of fame, but he never really had the individual awards either. And that's Dave Adjachuk. 
And he's been someone too has been known for longevity. He's the one who, you know, doesn't always have those huge point seasons, but he is certainly someone where when you think about it, it's like, okay, yeah, like what he's been able to do over his career, he deserves to be there. But I don't know. That, that's a weird argument because I don't know that's, you know, like the straw man argument mm-hmm. where like, of course you're going to start with Gordy Howe and Wayne Gretzky. And then like, gonna go like doubt like go even like lower to it. like it's not it does, like these sort of these like weird comparisons that they just shouldn't be made hey there here's the best player of all time and the best player before him and let's compare patrick marley like listen you, you need to really think about what it means to play a game in the nhl and what that takes in your life then you have to think about doing it more than any other person and this thing about his games played in the WHA. Do you want to know who the leading scorer in WHA? By the way, this was a, for those of you who don't know, this was a league to rival the NHL in the 70s. It didn't last a decade. You want to know who the leading scorer in, in WHA history was? Wayne Gretzky? No, he didn't play in it. I thought he did. Did he? I don't know if he did. I don't know. Okay, I apologize. Wayne Gretzky. Who was think- it? I'll search it up, and then you just tell me who it was. Andre Lacroix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he had 798 points and 251. Uh, I'm certain that is, those are goals. 798 points. I can't see his games played. God damn it. Oh, no, I have it on Hockey DB. Okay, so in, in 551 games played in the WHA, he had 547 points. That's pretty good. His NHL totals, he had 198 points in 325. Gordie Howe played in the, the twilight of his career. Now, when he came back to play, I think it was that last season in Hartford, Daniel? He yeah, still had like 40 please. points. Gordie Howe, ladies and gentlemen, is seventh all-time in WHA scoring of 508 points, four more than his son at this point in his career. They are not comparable leagues. His WHA stuff does not mean a thing. And so what if he left? Yager left. He could have done this and could have scored so many goals, and he'd be at two thousand points right now. He didn't. I know. I think he, he did. He, did Yager break two thousand? No, he didn't. He he's almost there, but I don't he's, because he's still technically playing. Like we've had this argument before. This could have happened. Well, it didn't. Like, why do we have to take it away from Patrick Marlowe? I, I don't get it. Like, I, I hate using this term. I think it's overused sometimes. Have some respect. Oh. oh well, there's there's one more tweet by the way. Um, okay, well, Gretzky Gretzky did play in the WHA. He had in 80 games, he had 46 goals and 110 points. When was this? Uh, eight seventy eight seventy nine. Before so was, Edmonton got him, yeah. I was yeah, gonna say, yeah. Was this the Oil Kings then? It was. So I think he was first with the Indianapolis Racers, and then he was. In that same year, I don't know if he was traded or not. I can't. He was claimed in an inter intra-league draft by Edmonton. Um, and he played the rest of the season with the and, Edmonton Oilers. And a reminder that the like the Oilers were then absorbed into the NHL. NHL. And yeah. that's why Wayne was never drafted. Yes. So yes. calm down, people. Like, calm down about like. <laughs> Whatever. I always had okay. this too. Like when people had that argument, you know, when with wins and you know shootouts, 
in like records you know, it really affected me too when they had that debate about uh you know there's no more ties <laughs> whatever um the second tweet <laughs> second tweet is from rosie DeMano of the uh, toronto star milt dunnell wrote eleven thousand columns for the star i'll never catch him but if i were to reach ten thousand nine hundred and ninety nine i'd stop there's much there's much to admire what? about. Pa- I, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold, hold on. Restart that. So Milt Dunnell, I'm assuming okay. he was a columnist for the Toronto star wrote 11,000 okay. columns for the Toronto star, which is a lot of columns by the way. a lot. Yeah. Um, okay. If I, I'll, I'll never catch him. This is her writing the tweet, by the way, I'll never catch him. But if I were to reach 10,999, that is one before 11,000, I'd stop. There's much to admire about Patrick Marlowe as a hockey player and as a human being, not this respect. Uh, uh, yep. Okay. All right. Hold on a minute. So, so she, this person is mad because Patrick Marlowe continues to play hockey. Correct. And continue to do the thing he's loved. Correct. The thing he's been amazing at for so many years. Correct. You know, to the point where he is still at this age considered a useful player. Even Correct. at like forty-one, he is still good. Um, obviously, not thirty goal, twenty goals anymore. But like, st- she. So she's saying. Yeah. Well, sorry, is it wasn't so she, her? Yes. So she's yes. saying that. Ah, oh, okay. So here's the thing I, I hate about stuff like this: is can we just leave Gordy Howe alone? Like, rest in peace, my man. Do we have to like bring him out to just be like, you know what, Patrick Marlowe doesn't have respect because he played NHL games. Are you serious? We're also not going to forget about Gordy Howe. Like, are he's we just- one of the best. He's a top five player of all time. Yeah. He, That's not a debate. Like, his are you name serious? Is, his name is literally Mr. Hockey. How- he's Wayne Gretzky's favorite player. What are you doing? He don't like, he defined an entire job. Like, one of the first, I always, I never shut up about this. In, in Bobby Orr's book, like, Gordy Howe is, like, deitized in it. Shut, what a bad take. That is, that's awful. I mean, that's awful. There's always these records that are in, like, even in hockey or other sports where I think if it wasn't for the games or if it wasn't for someone, I don't know, who who has passed on, it wouldn't be the same debate. Like, for example, a lot of records have really been broken like the last 10 years in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's nothing like it. It's like, you know, Steph Curry, you know, out of respect for Reggie Miller and Ray Allen, stop shooting your three pointers. Or um, again, and I've said it as a joke, but it's a real meaningful thing. When Martin Brodeur broke the winning record, Patrick Wall was at his game. It's like Gretzky wants Ovechkin to break his goal scoring record. What's the point of having records if they can't be if they if you shouldn't break them? Isn't exactly. that a quote? Isn't that like a really good quote? Yeah, if like records are meant uses? to be broken. Yeah, like, like LeBron James is literally in the top three or top five of every single like record right now because he just keeps on playing, and you know it's not like he's undermining Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, like John Stockton or anything. He he's not a like a. He's a serve like he's a he's not at the top of his game, but it's not like he's playing just to play. This isn't like bringing a guy back and playing him again. Like 
it's not it's, Yager. Like it's not it's not him coming back and saying, you know what, I just want to beat the record to beat the record. I don't Patrick think that's Harlow what's is, no Alex. He he's spitting on Gordy Howe's grave apparently. I've yeah. never I've never met Patrick Marlowe. I've only heard outside accounts from like from the team when he was here. But he doesn't he doesn't seem like the type of guy to do something just for the sake of doing it. I really do think why would he want to play like what was the point of him re-signing with San Jose during a pandemic and said he could sit in his house in San Jose and live his life and do whatever he wants. But no, he wanted to beat Gordy Howe, Gordy Howe's record to prove a point. That's that's seriously, Alex. That's one of the worst tweets that have that has ever existed on hockey Twitter, sports Twitter. That's bad. Okay, um, do we want to finish off by covering the Leafs quickly? Sure. Um, I am upset about that game. I'm Which getting one? really mad about Yesterday. every time I hear. I'm getting like seriously sick and tired. That all season, I keep hearing the excuse of you get goalie. And then it just feels like, well, like that, that freaking happens, right? And there was a tweet, I can't remember if it was Myrtle or something, but pointing out that the Leafs' losing streak is based on goaltending and like a passing thought. Like, David Rittage was not great last night. Like, oh you know, God, on the viewing was, party oh on the FaceTime, it was, it was Alex, Mike, and I, because. You know, like Daniel, don't ever come to their their terrible. That's terrible. You're too you're too good of a person. <laughs> um, I'm just excluded. I'm kidding. No, no, no so I'm, kidding. Like, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Excuse I'm kidding. Excuse me. I'm you're kidding. They're open, man. Chat. They're in the group chat. You all you gotta do is click join. Okay. No <laughs> he doesn't like us. Second <laughs> second time this episode, he's thrown us under the bus. No, because I'm trying to encourage Mike to finish his business assignment. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. He's not going to – He's no, he's just instead being very upset watching uh, the Leafs play. Um, Riddich was not great. Um, Jack Campbell has been coming down to earth a bit. Um, I, I don't know where you guys would like to start. Um, is this our first episode since Hyman got hurt? Yes. Yeah. Because they, think- they played yeah. Sunday. And, yes. Um, it was, but it was later after we oh, recorded. We, we one, should, yeah. Sorry, go, go. No, go. no, no. Just the one thing before we get into like the the meaty stuff is, uh, I'm just upset because I wanted Adam Brooks's goal to be the game winning goal. Of course you did. Brooksy. Well, if David Riddich stop something like that, those were because his equipment's not this, matching. That's what's this, that's what's that's a problem. The second Pierce Pearson goal. I think that was the one that I, I, did Riddich think it was going high and it somehow then went off like his pad that wasn't fully down. It wasn't I great. Know. I don't know. Adam Brooks heard us talk about his contract. I'm like very simple. upset. Do we, we criticize this? What is his contract? He's like making, a year, like 700 days? He's, he's making like league men. Oh my God. Tanner Pearson? No, oh, Tanner Pearson. No, no. You said Adam Brooks. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 Tanner Pearson, like the goals were coming because we criticized his contract. Oh, you know what's really funny? On the FaceTime, I, I said to Alex, we really need to stop criticizing players or stuff. <laughs> and Alex is like, why? And I'm like, man, he, he just scored again. <laughs> I think I, I think because you're, you're, for some reason, your TV is delayed for Mike and I's. So I, I, think I don't know why. By the time I think I had mentioned it to you, I think you had, oh, here's Pearson. 
Let me like, ask you, like what's how long is the delay? Like twenty seconds. It's ridiculous. Well, that's long. I have Rogers and it's Sportsnet. So what Sorry. we should probably mention, by the way, the Leafs lost back-to-back games against the Canucks. Uh, Holpe was pretty good, by the way, which is pretty great to see. Um, the power play is still a bit – it was scoring last night, but it only got one on the um, the five-minute major in the first game. So would you like to talk about the goaltending to start here, guys? Do you want to just talk about this little streak? I mean, we, we also need to touch on Zach Hyman. Where would you like to start? I'd like to talk about Vancouver for a second because I'd like to applaud them for how well they played. I I'm dead serious. I, okay, no, okay. no, I am dead serious. Okay. They Good. like, I'm dead serious because I think they like. Maybe, uh, of course, my following on Twitter, like the people I follow on Twitter, are mainly Leaf stuff. So I, I didn't get to see the reaction from Vancouver, with the exception of like I follow Harmon Dial, follow Thomas Drance, friend of the show, Thomas Drance. Um, I, I think we should like give them a round of applause because they deserved like, yes. I don't think maybe their performance was their best performance, but they still played damn well considering they all just came back from a lot of them having COVID and uh, quite a few of them having sim- like my like more than just mild symptoms. Yeah. Right. So that's what I'd like to do first. And, okay. and yeah. when we can move on to whatever you guys want. Um. So Zach Hyman will be out for a few weeks. I it's a, a sprained MCL. I believe so. Yes, yeah. MCL. Um, the knee to knee. Yeah. Good. It, good that it is not as long because that's the same knee he got surgery on a couple of years ago. Correct. Um, Edler got a few games for it. Mm-hmm. I think it was fair, fair. Um, because I mean, listen, we've talked about plenty of suspensions that did not happen on the show, so it's mm-hmm. good to actually see Tyler uh, Myers. I guess first, there was, you know, there are certain times that you'd kind of hope when the big hit happens, it's a bit cavemanish, but it's part of hockey and it's something you look out for. Um, like, no one kind of standing up for Hyman. I don't know if this is a thing of, ah, oh, it's the Canucks. There, I don't know if there was that thing of, like, let's not go after them. They're COVID. It sucks. Bad for them. But, like, that's Sack Hyman, guys. Why were there again? It sounds so stupid to say if you're not a hockey fan, but where was Wayne Simmons trying to punch a man? I mean, it was quite clear that even the guys on the bench knew that it was bad. Why? Because it happened in front of the bench. I think it was like Spezza, and and it was yeah, Spezza and Simmons were right there, and they stood up right away. Like, what is this? And I want like it was a dirty play. I think fatigue did have something to do with it. I don't think anyone intentionally does a knee to knee hit, right? Like because it could turn out bad on your side. So yeah. I, 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 but I do think it should have been. It was should have been suspended. I'm glad it was. I have been sold this year on the idea that you brought in these guys and someone is. You, is going to stick up for your teammate when something bad happens. And since, you know what, since their last kind of skid, I have not seen that at all. And there's been like three different incidences and I'm kind of getting fed up that I'm sorry. No, like the guys who are supposed to be doing things aren't contributing in any other way. Joe Thornton hasn't scored in 16 games. The last time he got a point was in early March. 
didn't Wayne, think that was that long. Wow. Wayne Simmons hasn't scored in like hasn't had a point in six games. A little bit better. Like, you know what? Better than 15. But like do something, man. Like I saw Justin Hall earlier this season pull a guy off uh Freddie. You can do it. I know you can. So just, do yeah. something. It's ironic because if it wasn't any other player, I'd assume like Hyman's that type of guy where you expect him to get into that scuffle. Yeah. Yes. Kind of to get into the face of like the person that hit your own teammate. And for me, it would just, it was a situation where we, we talk so much about the Leafs and the added grit and the accountability that has been there with the team this year. But it was another thing where it's just something of the past where I don't know why there wasn't more of, you know, a retaliation in a way to keep things, you know, as they are that like the one thing I kind of like felt with it was, I don't know. It just, this is not how you build energy. This is not how you build camaraderie when, you know, one of the guys that it's just been so effective for you in the lineup goes down like this and you don't have someone responding to it. Mm-hmm. Um, accountability is something I think we've, we've really talked about more and more over more and more over the last few shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? Uh, yeah, at some point, I don't. I know Joe Thornton can still dish a decent pizza here, but I don't really think if you're down by two goals and you've got three minutes left, that Joe Thornton, even if you're trying to rest like Matthews or that, I don't think he should be out there. No. Um. Like same. I, I still don't get why I'm I'm seeing like Simmons in that net front. Because remember when Nashville picked up Wayne Simmons and they had that god awful power play. Um. It didn't work there. Like, there's proof that that it it doesn't sort of it doesn't work. Um, and I think you need to. It, it's kind of weird to say. I think you need to get a bit more creative on the power. Like, it worked last night. It, it did, but I, again, I still don't get how you have like a Tavares. You don't have like Tavares from Nylander stapled there. See, I think it's actually the opposite. I think they're getting too creative. I think they're all. Remember the thing last year. Uh, just with the team in general, is that they're always looking for the extra pass. It's always the skill points. It's always, how do I look cooler? Screw that. The point of bringing Wayne Simmons, Zach Bogosian, Joe Thorne, and these guys in who had damn experience was so that you didn't do this stuff over and over and over and over again. You know who we're guilty of Sorry for getting upset. The, The year that Tampa won 62, uh, they were guilty of the extra pass. Yeah. And then what did they do to fix it? They I, okay, I thought you were about to mention the playoffs. I was like, I was like, oh, I mean, like yeah, the playoffs, but like um, again, they, they it? adversity. Yeah, the playoffs with that, the adversity, too much skill. And then what did they do? They balance it out. I hate Tampa Bay. I I can't figure out what's the issue with the power play because it is like the third straight year, fourth straight year, where you have a coach or assistant coach who really gets the team going. And then it disappears. You saw it last year with Paul McFarland, or you're seeing it this year with Manny Maholtra, where I thought, man, that power play looks good. They're doing things right. Last year, you had uh, Paul McFarland, who had it go. It was a slow start, slow start, but got it going. And then it fizzled off at the end. And the two years before that, you had Jim Hiller, who I think now is in Nashville, um, who had the power play going for a little bit of time and then it fizzled out. So 
what is like, I can't figure out what the issue seems to be here. Cause I'm sorry. It can't be the coach unless you just magically haven't found the perfect coach. It's, I'm having flashbacks. Is that exactly what happened with Alex Burroughs in Montreal? It's like, get here, good power play. Now it sucks again. And yeah. that makes zero, zero, zero. It's the consistency issue. I don't know. It's something there. I, speaking of consistency, um, goaltending is a weird thing. Uh, they, I, I love goaltenders. We all do. Um, though... There is a note here, and I think it is a serious question. The thing of, of really like the bandwagon with the goalies, Campbell is coming down to earth. Um, I think now people are – you got to – there's a there's a point with certain players that you, cert, you finally kind of realize you're missing them. And I feel like right now Leafs fans could probably be missing Freddie Anderson. And what I mean by that, and this is something Alex pointed out to me last night – a healthy Freddie Anderson because I think like Campbell might be playing hurt. Apparently Riddich has not looked great. And Freddie, we have no idea what it is. Some people have been talking about soft tissue, but. You know what this team could really use right now? Uh, John Gibson. That yeah, that too. A healthy Frederick Anderson. Yes. Like there is, I I don't think there's should be a debate about this. The best goaltender on this team, when they are all healthy, is Frederick Anderson. I don't care what you have to say about the playoffs, because let's be honest, they the players up front were not performing. Game six against Boston, the players were not performing. You have to get there too, by the way. And you have right, to get to the playoffs. Correct. You have to get there first. There is. There's, I, I'm a fan of Jack Campbell. Do not get me wrong. I love the, his 11 game winning streak, but to automatically jump on the bandwagon and say, he is the future, this and that. I thought like I, when David Riddick was traded to the Leafs, I thought, well, there it is. Frederick Anderson's not, not going to play again for the Leafs. Cause I thought they got a better goaltender than what reality would unfortunately would tell us. Um, but at the end of the day, the best goaltender on this team will be uh, will be Frederick Anderson. Yeah, I agree. Like he's shown the most. I know that there was. It's a great story, the Jack Campbell story, with everything. But I think a big thing is we always have to forget that he's already twenty eight, twenty nine. That he's not that much younger than Frederick Anderson. And when they talk about like the future with things, it's just. It's just like that pedigree you've mentioned where Freddie has played a lot for the Leafs. And I think that you put everything together this year, if all three of them were healthy, like that's that's amazing. That's like the best depth that he's been given since his Anaheim days. And when you mentioned John Gibson, again, Frederick Anderson brought those duck teams with like a Victor Fask or a John Gibson backing him up. You know what's really funny, Dan? Sorry, before you keep going there. Yeah. Um, before you got onto the Zoom call, um, and before we had Laura on, like Daniel and I, Alex and I were talking about, like, what's the best tandem Freddie's had? And I was just like, John Gibson. It's the last time he, like, and, like sorry, and, and continue. Yeah, I just wanted to point out, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like, like. yeah, it just, it's that kind of thing where it's just like he's played a ton of games. And I, I, the one thing that just kind of irks me in a way is that 
like I don't want people to forget that the success he did have when this team reemerged. That mm-hmm. he came in and he played those many games without, you know, always the best back- backups with him or the type of goalies that they only really played during the back-to-backs. And I really think that I, like, I really hope he's okay because I honestly think that, like, he's kind of the key if the Leafs really want to go on a run. Mm-hmm. Well, who, who used to say that, um, that saying that the Leafs will go as far as Frederick Anderson takes them? Uh, it might be CJ, I think, might have said that on an SVP or something. Um, it's true. Like, believe it or not, goaltending is pretty important. I, I, you brought up the Myrtle tweet, and, and I think the reason it's, it's I guess we'll say, brushed under the rug in, in Toronto is because it's always been the issue. Mm-hmm. It's been the issue for five years. That's the that the point. That's the point I was making before, yeah. like about who was Freddie's best goal, best partner. It's been Jack Cam- like it's probably Jack Campbell, and he got they've he've he's had him for like what less than a calendar year, and you had think Curtis McElhaney for three months. Yes, think of before. it like this too, right? Like um, Jack Campbell. You can always think of, like, uh, we don't have many true number one 60-plus games goalie left. Um, You know, I think the only one really left now may be Binnington and Hellebuck. Yeah, okay, that is very – yeah, I kind of like forget about him. Um, But, you know, like, Fleury's a good one, but now Leonard. Um, Jake Allen finally with Carey Price is going to balance that out. Um, If Jack Campbell is just – at his best, the one B. Is that really a bad thing? Can we can we no. just accept it's the typical overreaction that listen, he's not eleven and oh good. He's no. not eight ninety-three save percentage bad. He could just solid be a nine ten, nine fifteen in a normal season playing maybe thirty-five games. Yeah, like, and, yeah, go on, Alex. No, and that that's the thing. I never understood. People jumping off the Freddie band, the Freddie wagon, or going yes. to jump on the Campbell bandwagon. I get he has struggled. We know his patterns. He doesn't start like he has a slow start. And then if you play him continuously, he's going to burn out at the end of the season. The same way that Carey Price burns out at the end of the season when you're playing him 70 games. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the reality. And that, and going out and getting Campbell was the probably a great move Kyle Dubas made. But to now say, starting next year, that it's going to be Jack Campbell and someone else, I don't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. It feels like a bit of a step back. And I'm not saying because Jack Campbell's a bad goalie. It's just, again, what you said, curbed expectations. Because when you look at his career, yeah, like he was looked like he was going to be a superstar, like coming out of um, the U.S. National League Development Program. And then he went and he also played in the OHL. But, like, listen, like, this is a guy that's gone through, like, three surgery, three major surgeries in his career. Mm-hmm. And he's someone where we don't know if he's playing hurt right now. And to kind of have that narrative where it's like, we're going to run with him because he did go 11-0. and 0, But it's, at the same time, it's it's what a lot of the sports analysts said as well on Twitter. And it's been, like, this is going to, you know, come back down to earth eventually. 
And it's just going to all be about like, how do you really bounce back from those losses more than what's going on when things are, you know, at the highest of high. There is one, we can finish it off here. There is one solution that I can see that really helped the Leafs down the stretch. What's that? I think from what we've seen so far that Michael Hutchinson is a better option right now than David Riddich. No, no, no. Yes. I couldn't disagree more. Oh my gosh. I <laughs> that, we will finish off the podcast. I, it was a good show. Again, thank you to Laura for coming on. Um, it was a lot of fun. We talked about a lot today. We talked about some baseball, some basketball, some soccer, some F1, some golf. We covered a lot of bases today. A lot of bases. Um, if you enjoyed this episode of the show, be sure to check out the YouTube portion. See all our beautiful faces. Um, my hair. It's amazing. There it really is. Um, what the, what's that look for? Me? <laughs> yeah. Me? Was that oh, look? I was smiling. You said, look at our beautiful faces. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were taking the piss out of my hair. And I'm like, man. No. I, I, no. See these locks? It's great no. stuff. Is it tied um, at the back today? I, I've been tying and untying it all day, to be honest with you. Because mm. you know how I hate sitting for too long. It's just I like, get fidgety. Depends um, on when you watch the Karate Kid. I understand, yes. Daniel Song. Thank you to Voice Ed for always as being a fantastic platform for the show. Uh, check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your show. Check out my YouTube channel, Daniel Stuff for the Hockey Writers and the Eye Opener, Alex's blog, all that good gubs. And we will check out our own personal social medias and all of Laura's stuff. Most importantly, that's it. Happy birthday to the queen. Goodbye. Thanks, guys.